right, all right, all right. Day 57. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith, and this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right, so we're in the thick of um, a very interesting book, um, the book of Job. And Job, remember, Job is in dialogue with his friends, right? In chapters three through 37, Job, this big chunk of the book, which is primarily poetry, right? And they have these wisdom sayings um, coming from both sides. And so in Job chapter nine, Job is still responding to his friend, Bildad. Now, remember, Bildad was the cat who was about the wisdom of the ages. And once again, um, mid monologue, right? Job will switch dialogue partners, right? So in chapter nine, the main thing that stood out was essentially, and this is so important, that basically Job and all his friends are in basic agreement with the character of God. That's interesting. Why is that interesting? Well, we talk a ton. I think in our modern Christianity, we talk a ton about knowing God's character, which is fine and which is good and which is admirable. And so what Job is going to say is this, though. He'll say, hey, I, I can't <laughs> I can't take him to court. He plays all roles, judge, jury, plaintiff, defendant, all at the same time. I don't stand a chance. Not only that, he is all wise, all powerful, sovereign over all creation, the whole nine yards. So, yes, I agree with y'all. However, this shows that even hear this, even knowing the character and attributes of God doesn't always make sense of the situation God has us in. (laughs) Right. And as much as he knows God in the moment of his deepest distress, God couldn't feel more evasive. Right. Elusive as if he he can't understand it. And that's why he says this in verse nine or in verse 11. He says, if he passed by me, I wouldn't see him. If he went by, like, I wouldn't recognize him. Right. He continues to go on and on and on. And he's further going to go on and start using this kind of legal language, this courtroom language. Right. And so he'll say, even with even if I were in the right, I could not answer. <laughs> I could only beg my judge for mercy. Here it is. If it is a matter of justice, who can summon him? So you see the uh, legal language. Many uh, scholars would say like uh, Job thinks of this stuff as like a disputation, right? Where he needs to dispute his case before God. And Job, as we will talk about more as the book unfolds more, Job wants an advocate, right? He wants somebody to stand in the middle and advocate for him. So in verse 33, he'll say, there is no mediator between us, right? To lay his hand on both of us. And the idea of there being a mediator between God and man who would bridge this gap between Job and God um, is a huge theme as well. But as righteous, as blameless as Job may seem to be, um, he knows, he even knows deep down that he truly can't stand before God. I think I can jump to the New Testament and how the New Testament speaks of there being one mediator between God and man. First Timothy would say that about Jesus Christ, who bridges this gap between God and man, between the two parties. And he is the one who justifies us. And he is the one who enables us to stand before God one day clothed in his very righteousness. So we can hope in that. However, Job is still in the midst of his suffering. Chapter 10, he begins to address God directly. Right. He mentions that he hates his life. And Job is essentially saying here in 10, I love it. You are convicting me, God, without 
charging me, right? Like he's saying, yo, you're convicting me without charging me. I don't even know what I did, right? And for us suffering, hear this, suffering feels the same way. We are being treated, it feels as if we are being treated as if we had been convicted but unaware of the actual charge, right? And it's interesting, man, because Job, again, has no idea what's going on, even though we do as readers. And in 8 through 12, he'll even go further and he'll talk about the way God created him and cared for him all his life, right? Your hands shaped me and formed me, right? Will you now turn and destroy me, right? So suffering, and we see this, that suffering has the propensity to make God seem as if he is inconsistent, right? Like he isn't being true to who he has always been. And I want to encourage you today to remember, you may be going through a season like Job, right? Where it feels as if God is evasive, where it feels as if God is like switched up, he wishy-washy, right? But it's important for us to remember that it is impossible, it is impossible for God to not be who he always has been, right? Because he never, listen, hear this, and, and this is getting a little theological, but because God is immutable, right? That means he can't change. Because he never started being who he is means he will never stop being who he is, right? God does not change. Our circumstances do, but that doesn't mean God does, right? And he talks about going to darkness um, and death, which as we have hinted at, uh, or, or which I was hinted at in the beginning of the book. And as modern readers, um, I think what many have pointed out is that, you know, Job didn't have the categories to talk about, like, man, I'm depressed or, you know, I'm having extreme anxiety or, you know, all these things, um, this mental health language that we actually uh, use and employ a lot now. Um, But many have said, like, he is showing all the signs of it, right? He has this, uh, you know, desire to not live, this feeling of worthlessness, this feeling of isolation, of not Uh, making sense of the world around him. And I want to just say that um, if you're experiencing any of those things, I want you to know that you are not alone. You are not the first one to experience such a thing. And scripture, although it doesn't give us specific uh, prescriptions uh, for our mental health, it does help give us once again perspective. Job 11, we're introduced to his third friend who sees Everything from a different angle, right? So Eliphaz was the cat, remember, the first friend who talked about his experience. In my experience, this happens. In my experience, I've seen the, you know, the wicked go this way. Blah, blah, blah. But Bildad is the one who tries to call on the wisdom of the ages. That was the second friend he just responded to. Now, Zophar, <laughs> he's the oversimplifier, right? He's the one who makes everything so black and white, right? So he comes out the gate with a sharp rebuke of Job. Right. He says, yo, should your babbling put others to silence so that you can keep on ridiculing with no one to humiliate you? Verse six. Know then that God has chosen to overlook hear this. Some of your iniquity. Right. In other words, he's like, you better be glad you ain't getting all that you deserve. Right. And then he'll say this in 13. As for you, if you redirected your heart and spread out your hands to him in prayer, if there is iniquity in your hand. Remove it and don't allow injustice to dwell in your tents. Then you will hold your head high, free from your fault. You'll be firmly established and unafraid. Basically, he's like, repent, <laughs> right? He's like, repent, right? Confess and your fate will be changed. But as we know, it is not that simple. It's deeper than that, right? Life is more complex in general, 
but it's more complex for Job here as well. And I think one of the things, man, you learn, the older you get, you think, you would think, right, the more clearer things get, but you actually realize the more complex things actually are, right? Like that's the 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 plight, if you will, of growing older. And in Job 12, Job is going to get a little spicy, right? Like he's going to show a little sarcasm, his response, he a little petty. And he's like, thanks, Captain Obvious, right? Thanks, Sherlock, right? He literally says, you know, in verse three, who doesn't know the things you're talking about, <laughs> right? He's essentially like, listen, fools, I know y'all know this. And I want y'all to know that I know this too, right? You can't tell me. And he's like, you can't tell me essentially that there aren't exceptions to what seem to be the rules, right? And Job is going to go on, on and on and on. And he'll say this too. So good. This is a very key important point, important point in the book. He'll say, hey, um, the one who is at ease hold, uh, holds calamity in contempt and thinks it is prepared for those whose feet are slipping, right? The tents of robbers are safe. Hear this. And those who trouble God are secure. God holds them in his hands. What is he saying? In other words, one of the things that suffering does is it doesn't just leave us perplexed about the suffering of the righteous, but even more perplexed about the prosperity of the wicked. Right. And in many cases, it definitely seems this way as if the wicked prosper. And what Job is saying is like, man, your explanations have failed to explain this. Right. And so he'll go on and on. And, and Job, um, you know, will kind of beat these themes uh, uh, um, kind of through our heads over and over. And he'll also talk about, man, that God's. Um, you know, his governance of the world isn't as predictable as these guys make it seem, right? And, you know, in the course of God running the world, he regularly, hear this, um, breaks the rules that people think he has made, right? And once again, all this to say complexity, right? We don't have God all figured out. Right. He can't be put into a box. Your favorite teacher, your favorite preacher, your favorite theologian, uh, uh, this podcast. Right. Like like no Bible character. Nobody had all the pieces to the puzzle. Right. And what this text and what Job is going to teach us over and over is that we can't just deal with people abstractly. Right. Based off of rote knowledge. But we all have to understand the unique situations of those we walk with as best we can and how they operate and how they work. Right. And how and know enough about how the world works. Right. Um, and, and couple that with our knowledge of God. And this will help us be more empathetic and understanding and better friends and better sufferers let's pray father we ask that you would help us to uh, suffer faithfully god we ask for your wisdom for your strength and for your grace to do so god we understand that this world is um, often incongruent with how we think uh, it should go Um, and so lord we ask that we would place our hope in you and in our mediator jesus who will allow us to stand before you